This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back to the Fenway Rundown, Mass Lives Red Sox podcast. I'm Chris Cotillo, your host, joined by Chris Smith, co-beat writer at Mass Live. We obviously have a ton to get to because the Red Sox are, as the kids say, going through it right now. Uh, last night, as we record this on uh, Wednesday afternoon, uh, Red Sox still reeling from one of the worst losses of the season. I know we're getting repetitive by saying that because they've had about four of those candidates in the last week. Um, the Red Sox, as we sit here, uh, keep slipping. They're now five games back of the Rays in the American League East. They are a game back of the A's for the first wild card spot, and they have only a small lead, two games over the Yankees for that second wild card spot, and two and a half games over the Blue Jays, who I personally think are are the big threat there. Uh, so the Red Sox are are uh, in the middle of by far their worst stretch of the season. Uh, and as Johnny Miller, as the legendary Johnny Miller. Asked Alex Cora late last night, Alex, could it possibly get any worse? And I'll give that question now to Chris Smith to open up. Chris, can it get any worse? Yeah, if they lose today and tomorrow. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I mean, you know, you the Red Sox have Baltimore coming in right after this series. Yeah. So they should play well that series. They should be able to sweep that series. So if you could win two of three here, you know, and then play Baltimore, win three of three against Baltimore, then you're back on track. But if you get swept in the series, especially after another game yesterday where you're like, you know, you're up 4-1, Hunter Renfro hits a three-run homer. It's the sixth inning. Gets your best relievers on the mound trying to close it out. And that's been the case. It's like the best relievers. I mean, I, I you can't expect everything from Whitlock. I mean, this is only his second time that he's given up multiple runs in an outing. Yep. But, you know, Barnes is, is taking three losses in the last four games. Um, you know, his, his second half numbers are always, he's always been a fir better first half pitcher than a second half pitcher. So, um, you know, so, so all of a sudden the starting rotations look decent in the last week and, and now the bullpens. So, you know, so it's always something, uh, during this, during this losing stretch. And so, yes, it can get worse. Um, if you lose two more to, to the, to the Rays, I thought they had the potential to sweep the series because you're not going up against, you know, any, you know, Cy Young award candidate, but. Right. I, I, that was Patino last night and then it's either Fleming or an opener tonight. I'm not sure if they've decided. Um, and then uh, Rasmussen pitching tomorrow. So not, you know, obviously not the, uh, the best of the best for Tampa going. You know, I wrote about yesterday, a roster shakeup that could be coming. Obviously we've seen the Red Sox try to change things and try to do some different things after the all-star break. How can Duran come up at the trade deadline? You know, the Schwarber move, a couple of depth bullpen moves. We saw Martin Perez get demoted to the bullpen the other day. 
you know, I think there's things that are coming, you know, either, you know, today, tomorrow, by the end of the week, if this keeps going, Garrett Richards to the bullpen, Bobby Dahlbeck could go to AAA. I listed a lot of stuff in that column yesterday and, and about, you know, things that they're considering. If you're Heim Bloom, Alex Cora, what are the first two or three things that you're doing to shake things up roster-wise? Yeah, I'm, you know, DFAing Marlon Gonzalez. And, yeah, that's on the know, table as well. I think that I said this to my father-in-law actually a few days ago. I was like, if they had sent Bobby Dahl back to, you know, triple a Worcester in May, he might be up hitting well right now, you know, um, you get some confidence there. And, and so I think they made a big mistake by, um, you know, not uh, optioning or uh, yeah, optioning him to Worcester earlier in the year. And I think they need to do it now. Uh, the first base, you know, I mean, when is Schwarber going to come back? We don't know. He could go on a rehab assignment soon, but it's like their first base is a disaster right now. I mean, you know, you could have made the you could have made the case that Schwarber was the better player than Rizzo, but you know, Rizzo's won what four gold gloves, and you know, you had a play yesterday where Franchi's overrunning a ball, and that's the second time that's happened in a week. Right, uh, and you know, it was a huge situation, and so. Um, I would go Marwin first, you know, Dahlbeck needs to be sent down. I'd get uh, Jairo Munez up, you know, just because. I think know, he might've just uh, extended it to 31 games. for the 30, I think it's third. I think it's 32, but 32? I might be wrong. Okay. It might be 31. Um, so anyway, 32. 32 right. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I mean, you're looking at guys like, you know, Marwin Gonzalez and, and Dahlbeck who aren't making contact on pitches right down the, you know, in the, in the strike zone. And, and, you know, Munoz has showed that he can hit, he's aggressive, and he's at least going to make contact. And I think that's something that's not making core happy is, is the, um, you know, the lack of contact in important situations and not coming through in important situations. Even when uh, Bogarts made contact yesterday, when they had the chance to extend the 4-1 lead, you know, it was a lazy fly ball to the left field. So, um, you know, they need some people that make contact. They need some, they need to shake things up a little bit, definitely. Yeah, I, I definitely think so, and, and we can see that happening pretty soon. Obviously, you know, the rotation's about to look a lot different. Chris Sale coming back on Saturday, you know, barring a surprise, it'll be Tanner Howe pitching on, on Thursday, maybe Friday, and becoming a full-time member of that rotation. You had Pavetta, Rodriguez, Evaldi, that mix, and, and Garrett Richards and Martin Perez don't have their spots anymore. Um, but how do you envision the roles for those two guys moving forward? And, you know, I think with Darwin's and Hernandez out, the Red Sox look at Martin Perez as a lefty option who has you know better stuff out of the bullpen. Garrett Richards has said as recently as last week, he doesn't want to go to the bullpen, doesn't want to be a reliever. Uh, is he just a mop-up guy, a long guy for you at this point? Could you see him in any leverage situations? Well, at this point, it's, it's kind of hard to, you know, because you don't know what you're going to get from him to test him out in high leverage situations, right? right. Like even if it's a, high leverage situation like Whitlock where, you know, he comes in earlier, but, you know, you want to give him two, two innings and he'll hold the lead or, or keep it a one run, you know, deficit even or a tie ball game. Um, so it's like, it's very difficult because his, his stuff has just been, you know, inconsistent the whole year. His first innings have been terrible. So what, what is that, you know, how does that go with, with relieving also, um, you know, so I think it's difficult right now. I mean, if he has, so you start him off as a, um, you know, as a long reliever, mop-up type guy, and if he has some success, then maybe you, you put him into a more of a role of, of what Whitlock does, or you know, where you, you got him in the middle of the game with a, you know, lead uh, with a lead, or, or um, 
you know, with, with one run down or a tie game where you can bridge the gap to your, to your late inning guys. So, I mean, he, he has said that though recently I, that he doesn't want to go to the uh, starting rotation. I didn't see that. Yeah. He said last week after, uh, after the start in Detroit, I asked him, you know, are you concerned Chris Sale coming back, Tanner Houck being part of the rotation? Are you concerned, you know, that you might be fighting for your spot in the rotation? He said, not at all. That's you guys, not me. A little defensive there. And he was actually fighting for his rotation spot and it appears like he lost it. So um, it wasn't just the media. It was clearly, you know, obviously the Red Sox as well. And then he said that he's a guy who was a starting pitcher. He goes out and can throw 100 pitches. There's not many people that can do that. I think he's done that once this year and, and like twice since 2018. So it's not, um, you know, a proven thing that he can give you those innings. And obviously, you know, the ZRA is over like seven in his last 10 starts. So you can't, you can't say the Red Sox haven't given these guys, whether it be Dahlbeck or Richards or Perez or Marwin, a, a very long leash. Like they've stuck to these guys, you know, for four and a half months now. Yeah. And, um, you know, he was put in the bullpen last year by the Padres, you know, during during the final month of that season, shortened season, obviously. But um, I, I really haven't looked at I mean, his numbers were overall were good last year, and he got a one-year $10 million contract. So he must have been decent out of the bullpen right. after he was, you know, he was good as a starter last year. But, you know, so I don't know. I mean, yeah, they, they've obviously all gotten enough opportunity. Um, the Red Sox have given, well, you know, all these guys. I mean, even Maureen and Dahlbeck, you know. And Danny Santana, even. And Danny Santana. So, you know, you – I think it is time to shake things up and, you know, um, you know, even, I mean, they did it with, with Manny uh, Hanley. I was going to say Manny Ramirez, Hanley Ramirez, Close. you know, in 2018, I mean, it, who wasn't hitting as bad as these other guys and, and they DFA'd him, you know? So what's the hold up here? As a reliever last year, uh, only five innings for Whitlock or for Richard, excuse me, out of the bullpen, uh, five innings, three hits, one run, five strikeouts, uh, one walk. So, very small sample size. Uh, he had 46 and a third out of the rotation and then only five innings as a reliever, but you know, we'll see him in the next six weeks or so uh, in that bullpen role. How would you reshuffle the deck in the bullpen? We talked a little bit about, and I wrote a little bit about, you know, bad timing yesterday, but giving Whitlock those high leverage situations in the seventh and the eighth, adding him to Ottavino and Barnes and Taylor. And, and instead of like, okay, here's your two inning guy or that he has, you know, planned outings. Maybe it's time to let him loose. To me, you know, last night, kind of an aberration, uh, a good hitting team with a good game plan doesn't really change that for me. I still think they should let him loose and, you know, have him pitch the eighth if the matchups are, are good for him better than Ottavino or or have him come in and, and those close games. Um, you know, I trust him more than Taylor at this point personally, and uh, and I think it's time to kind of let him loose. Yeah, I mean, I like Taylor, you know, that uh, I think he can, you know, he's been able to throw strikes and everything. So, but yeah, I would, you know, I'd go with Lock you know, late innings and you can't look at yesterday and be like, Oh, that, you know, I mean, everybody has to have a, you know, a subpar outing once in a while. Yeah, gave, you had a subpar up, outing last night too. Exactly. The guy gave up two runs, you know, I mean, that's, that's all he's done this year is, you know, is, is been dominant. So um, an interesting thing that he said after the game, and I know he wasn't blaming, you know, Vasquez, he was blaming himself uh, about pitch selection and stuff like that. Um, but Xander Bogarts came up to him and was like, you're throwing too many fastballs and they're sitting on your fastball and everything. Right. And um, so where, where's Vasquez in this? You know, there's been a couple situations of late where Vasquez, and I know that I asked Cora about his offense recently and, and Cora mentioned that he thinks the game calling is good and everything, but um, 
you know, we're, I mean, there was a situation, I think it was to Franco in, in Tampa Bay where uh, Austin Davis was on the mound. He threw like five straight sliders and it's like, finally, you know, like <laughs> one of them was finally going to be hit, you know, and, 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 you know, and so I, I might try to go with Pilecki more uh, down the stretch. I mean, Vasquez has had to have, there was one, one time this year where uh, not recently where Cora made the joke about how like um, Pilecki's getting like a free vacation or whatever to be up with the right. Red Sox. I mean, you know, Vasquez is caught what, like has to have caught like 80, 85% of the games. I, I haven't done the math, but I can do that. But um, why not give Pilecki more of a chance? Cause the offense is, is, is moving when he's in there. And, um, you know, I mean, he's batting over 300, small sample size, but he hit well last year. He's a former first-round pick. Maybe he's a late bloomer. Yeah. Give him, give him some more starts. I'd like to see him catch Chris Sale on Saturday and then, um, you know, and, and see where that takes you. Maybe there's some bit better pitch calling. I, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I, I think that Vasquez might have something to do with this too. Yeah, and, and you know, that was actually the next thing I asked you um, uh, about the split with these guys. I think it's clear that, you know, Vasquez, this is, is having just a, a horrible year at the plate. Started 91 games to this point, um, for, for the record, out of the uh, 115. So that's that's a pretty high number. Um, and it's just he has not been able to hit. There's virtually no power, four home runs. You know, two of them were within the first week of the season. Um, you know, one of them in late June, one of them in mid-May. So he hasn't had a homer in over a month or a month and a half now. It's just uh, – it's just not the Christian Vasquez that, you know, seemed to be making the ascent uh, in, in 2019 and 2020, you know, 798 OPS in 2019, 801, and he's down to 639 this year, hitting 254. And like you said, smaller sample size, only 110 plate appearances for Pulecki, but 313, uh, 780 OPS. Last year, he hit 341. He was awesome with runners in scoring position last year. Um, it's interesting. I wonder if the Red Sox think that, you know, they have to be careful with him or, um, if Vasquez has just been the guy for so long that they have to stick there or, or what the deal is. But I agree that, you know, it seems like in the last couple of weeks, in the last three or four weeks, Alex Cora has realized, Oh, we have this guy named Kevin Plawecki on our roster and he can actually hit a little bit. And um, you know, he might be a little worse defensively, but you know, in an offense that's struggling at the bottom, you know, this guy could work. He was an offense guy coming up in the Mets organization, first round pick, all that type of stuff. So, um, you know, we've seen, you know, in the last five or six days, five or six games from Ploiecki uh, playing a lot, even DHing, um, And, uh, you know, obviously he's, he's made kind of the most of those opportunities. Yeah. And, and another thing with Vasquez is like, you know, when you talk about the OPS being, you know, down significantly this year, uh, you know, Cora mentioned that he's just hitting a lot of empty fly balls. That's the term that, that Cora uses, empty fly balls. And it's like, you know, when he's going good, he's hitting it to the opposite field and, Right. You know, he doesn't have to be a 20 home run hitter, a 20 home run hitter, um, you know, a year hitter. He, he just needs to, you know, mind drives. That's the thing. And maybe he's trying to do too much. We've seen, you know, he's trying to like steal third the other day. Is he trying to do too much? Does he think he's, you know, eight, eight, eight steals that, that led the Red Sox for a while. It still might. I know actually Lou Maloney made a good point though. The other day, he's like, you know, you can catch, catchers off guard, you know, when you don't steal much, you know, Jason Veritek used to do it as, as Lou said, but yeah. like when you have eight steals on your resume, then they start looking for you to go. And so they're <laughs> going to catch you. And so you shouldn't be stealing third base. No one should be stealing third base with, you know, in a tie game, um, 
you know, but it late in the innings, but, you know, I mean, that, that's a no, no, definitely for Vasquez, but yeah, I mean, Pilecki, you know, just play him a little bit more, you know, maybe give him half the workload and, you know, see, see what comes of it. They're very interesting numbers on Christian Vasquez. I, I've definitely brought this up on the pod before and at least written about it, but 2014, 2018, 999 plate appearances. Okay. So basically a thousand, 10 homers, 10 homers and a thousand plate appearances. We get to 2019 and 2020, 710 plate appearances and 30 homers in that stretch, which is crazy. 23 and 2019 and seven last year in the shortened season this year, 370 plate appearances and four homers, um, you know, only 16 doubles, just like down across the board, everything. And we want to talk about Ploiecki looking at his game logs and and not to turn this into just just reading off numbers, but 14 games over the last month for Ploiecki. That's July 10th to August 10th. He's 15 for 40. That's good for a 417 average, 975 OPS, uh, three doubles, five RBIs, four walks, four strikeouts. I mean, he's he's not the guy, not a guy that that strikes out very often. And, and I think they're realizing that in a lineup where you have guys who are doing that, you know, maybe uh, you need somebody like that. 16 strikeouts and nine walks on the air for Plowacki. Again, small sample size, but you know, I, I think that there is something there. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, uh, as I said, you know, try to, um, you know, even up the playing time more, you know, and see what he can do when he plays more Pilecki because it's just not working right now with Vasquez and, and, you know, they, they, Vasquez wasn't having a good year. And, and when you talk about like the home runs that they came, they came in 2019, 2020, Corey made a good point about like home runs were way up those years anyway. Yeah. And everybody was hitting home runs and it's like, you know, and, and now they've got the, what do they got the uh, humid? What is it? The, uh, humidor? the humidors in the ballparks. They've got a different, you know, ball and everything. And, um, you know, so there's been some adjustments. So, you know, I mean, we'll see, but I just, uh, you know, I, I said to you yesterday, I mean, do you think Bloom, um, you know, wishes that he had traded him uh, because, you know, at last year's deadline, because he would have got something pretty good for him, I think. Right. Or over the winter, you know, there was a lot of rumors about Vasquez. He's still here and, and, and definitely, uh, on a downturn. I think the next thing I want to ask is, and we haven't gotten the chance to be in the clubhouse, obviously this year, kind of limited interactions with the players, try to kind of tough to get the pulse of what they're thinking, how they're feeling. Um, But do you think that this thing about the letdown about the lack of moves at the deadline is real? Do you feel like the team's angry and kind of deflated? Obviously the performance since July 30th has been horrible, but um, is, is that a real thing? Yeah, I mean, I think that you can see some truth to that. Um, you, I mean, it, it does happen. And, and Core didn't deny it the other day when he was asked. I think he was asked by Tomasi about it. Like, you know, and he said, well, you know, the players read. Um, we haven't talked about it. So he didn't just come out and say no. Um, I'm sure that they would have liked to, an immediate first baseman uh, to come in there and help, um, you know, maybe to get another reliever or starter. And, um, you know, so you look at it and – what happened with the 2017 Astros? I mean, uh, core Sard, right? They, they had a bad losing streak after, you know, they didn't play well after the July 31st deadline. They were able to rectify that because there was a non-waiver deadline. Uh, there was a waiver deadline uh, on August 1st and they were able to get, you know, Justin Verlander, but, um, or September 1st, whatever. And they were able to get Justin Verlander, but um, you know, I mean, he's seen it. So yeah, it can happen. Yeah. I mean, 
I, I just think, you know, the Schwarber, Schwarber being on the IL and not being able to make an immediate impact lessens, obviously it lessens the, the impact of the move, but it also lessens like how people are reacting to how, how, you know, beneficial he could be. Uh, and, and that's, that's a little, I don't know, unfortunate, I think for Bloom as he's judged with this deadline. Um, and by the time Kyle Schwarber joins the Red Sox, it's going to be too late. Is this uh, tailspin going to be so severe that it doesn't even matter? Um, but if you look at what they did in the bullpen, and my opinion has changed on this a little bit, just because, you know, at the beginning, they they did, you know, frankly, what I expected them to do. Like, I never thought that they were going to go and and go off the deep end. I thought if they were the biggest move they were going to make was going to be a Rizzo or a Schwarber, somebody like that. Obviously, Rizzo is a cleaner fit. Um, I never thought it would be Scherzer or one of those types of guys or Barrios or, or giving up a haul. But when you look at, you know, Austin Davis is basically a 4A pitcher. Um, that's why you get, had to give up Michael Chavis, who is a 4A uh, position player for him. Um, he had a walk-off home run last night, by the way, I, as I saw for Indianapolis. Um, Hansel Robles had a 9.64 ERA in July for the Twins, and, and they had to give up somebody in Alex Scherf, who I barely knew anything about. I know probably you, you know those guys more than I do, but not by any means a top prospect, right? Um, I mean, like he was actually ranked in their top 15 when after he got drafted, people thought he was going to be, you know, potentially a starter hard thrower. Um, he has taken to the bullpen well, so that's put up his stock a little bit recently, like, you know, the potentials there, but you know, he was a rule five guy. So you, you got about 20 of those guys that you could add to the roster. Right. You can't rat everybody. So yeah. go. Yeah. So, I mean, sorry. that's just, that's just, you know, not, uh, those weren't big moves. Those were depth moves and, and, um, you know, looking back, maybe they, they could have paid up a little bit to, to get, you know, a better reliever or a couple, you know, better relievers because, you know, the way the bullpen was pitching for so long, I think, you know, it's kind of a mirage and we've seen that happen in the last couple of weeks. So, you know, I'm sure there are people who are disappointed in the clubhouse. They'll never tell us publicly, but, um, you know, they still are getting, you know, their big deadline acquisition. I know it's corny to say it's cliche and they've been saying it for months, but the big guy comes back on Saturday with Chris Sale. And we'll end there um, before we get ready to cover tonight's game. Um, what are your expectations for Chris Sale on, on Saturday and moving forward? Do you think we're going to see the Chris Sale of old at first? Do you think it's going to take a little while? Obviously, he's facing the Orioles, which is uh, probably going to have us lean toward the Chris Sale of old. But uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I was just going to say that. I was going to say, like, you know, because he's facing the Orioles, we'll probably see, like, the Chris Sale of the rehab starts. Yeah. You know, five, six innings where – you know, he strikes out some guys, he gives up some hit, you know, he strikes out a lot of guys, gives up some hits, but you know, at the end of the day, the, the line looks pretty good. Um, it's going to be adjustment for him coming back. Uh, you know, definitely. Um, the pitch counts were high, obviously. And so, um, you know, he didn't go the five or six innings uh, exactly in the last few that they wanted him to go. So that shows you, I mean, they were hitting him a little bit and he did get hit a little bit at triple a. So, um, We'll see. I don't know. I don't know what to expect, but, um, you know, he's healthy. Uh, it appears, uh, the velocities are, are going to be something interesting to look at. I think he was 91 to 96, um, for, uh, for Worcester the other day. And so like, let's see what the velocities look like. Let's see how, you know, the swing and miss against the slider and stuff of major leaguers. And, but as you said, like, you know, <laughs> What what how different would this team have been if Schwarber was healthy and the Red Sox had gotten sale back like a couple of weeks early? You know, like right now they're right. coming back at a time where, you know, 
the Red Sox now had the second wild card spot or whatever. You know, it's like these guys would have been great if they came, if they came, you know, two weeks earlier. But right now they're coming at a bad time. So we'll see what Sale looks like. But I think he's going to be what you saw are the rehab starts. And working for, for Chris Sale, and a last thought here, the thing working for him is his first outing comes against Baltimore on Saturday. Five days after that is an off day, which would line him up for a home start against the Rangers on the 20th. Five days after that lines him up to face the Twins at home. So that's three bad teams. I mean, I don't know if, if you know, you're talking about easing him in. He's not going up against, you know, the Rays, the Jays. Uh, you know, they're not playing the Jays anymore this year. But, um, you know, they're, that's that's a way to ease him in, you know, to having him go. You know, I know it's just how the schedule works out. But um, better off, I think, for the Red Sox to have him face those teams than, you know, the, the best of the best in the AL. That's Chris Smith. I'm Chris Cotillo. Red Sox back in action tonight at 7:10 with uh, Nathan Avaldi on the mound trying to snap the skid that they've been on and get back on track.